Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Corporate Communications at Stiefel, joined by my partner, Brian Gardner, our Chief Washington Policy Strategist. Hey, Brian. Neil, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, we're, we are in uh, a great time of the year. Uh, we've gotten past cherry blossoms here in D.C. and uh, uh, past the Masters and baseball season is in full swing. It's, um, it's all good. We passed the March Madness. Yep. Um, NBA playoffs coming up soon. Yep. NFL draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a Giants fan, I don't I don't look at it the same way that I have the last couple of years, that it was somehow a pathway to salvation. It's now, you know, adding depth and improving the team. But it, for a while there, for the last couple of years, it was this is all we had to hope for was you know, the draft and and some prospects coming out of it to improve the team. But uh, the new management um, has has flipped the script on that. Well, as you know, Brian, I'm a big Jets fan, and um, we've loaded up a number of new wide receivers. Uh, at this point, who's going to throw the ball to them? That's the thing. It may be me. It may be me, Brian. <laughs> I may have to take a little uh, sabbatical from the podcast to hit to hit uh, training camp, but we'll see. This Aaron Rodgers, they say he's coming. Well, time will tell. Exactly. Well, you know, maybe, Brian, this is a good place to start because um, speaking of sport and theater and spectacles, it does seem like the 2024 presidential race is quite a ways off since we're talking about, you know, football season and training camp and the draft. But obviously, there have been several developments over the past few weeks that will likely impact the presidential race. So I thought maybe we could start and take a look where where things stand. We haven't talked about the race, the presidential race for a while. Um, so if you're good with that, I say let's let's dive in and maybe we start with the incumbent, President Biden, and, and how it's looking for 2024. He's still he's kind of said he's running, but he really hasn't officially declared yet, has he? Yeah, he, he's pregnant. He signaled pretty clearly that he's going to run. Um, he said recently he's probably going to, but he won't announce for a little while. Um, I think if you go back to November and the 2022 midterms, it became clear right afterwards um, that Biden would run uh, for reelection. And I think this recent statement really confirms what most people have been expecting. Um, now, there, there are two reasons, though, to, to wait and not make a formal announcement right now. First, it's it's better for Biden. It's more advantageous for Biden to wait. Um, Republicans, they've had a couple of tough weeks. Um, you have the situation with former President Trump uh, in New York. We'll touch on that in a second. You know, there's some negative press coming out of Tennessee regarding the expulsion of two Democratic legislature legislators, excuse me, in the state legislature. Um and, and some other things. Republicans have just been on the defensive recently. Um, and even though Biden's poll numbers are, are not great, um, they're pretty weak, um, Republicans look even weaker comparatively. So I think the Biden team probably thinks it helps them to keep the media focus on Republicans and not announce right now. Um, plus, you know, in a little while, uh, Biden's going to have to negotiate a debt ceiling deal. That's another thing that could be problematic for Republicans. So looking at it from the Biden perspective, you know, by not announcing, it lets him stay relatively above the fray. He's governing. He's not running. Um, and the second is, even though I think he's going to run and he has signals he's going to run, if he suddenly changes his mind 
then a delay would help Vice President Harris, um, and I, who I, I think President Biden wants to succeed him. Uh, Biden's a former VP. Uh, he probably has some sympathy for the role that, that Harris fa- finds herself in. Um, it's not easy to be VP. Um, and so I, th- I think he'd like to help her out. And it would also validate his decision uh, in 2020 uh, to pick her if uh, she were to become the nominee. Uh, this, again, all predicated on him changing his mind and, and not running. Um, so as, as long as Biden's in the race, it freezes the rest of the fields and would give the vice president a leg up if, again, um, Biden changed his mind on running. So kind of where we are with, with the Democratic side. Yeah, I mean, the midterm elections was really a game changer for him. I think we talked about it before the midterms. And I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think at that point you were thinking maybe it was 50-50, if that. And then the fact, now I know. Yeah, the, the, I changed my mind after the midterms. There's, yeah. um, uh, had, had he suffered kind of a typical midterm loss, um, I think he, I think the odds were um, – Probably you, you would have had a lot more stories coming out of the White yeah. House about the staff worried about his his age and his capacity to do the job. You would have had some vultures in the in the Democratic Party circling um, and looking for the opportunity that all went away when they outperformed expectations. Um, and that really um, flipped the script. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's maybe not as clean a script for the Republicans. So how, what do you make there? Well, you know, they're, they're, they're the challenging party, so it, it shouldn't be a, a clean script, um, and it definitely is not. Um, so the Manhattan District Attorney's indictment um, last week uh, of, of Donald Trump undeniably um, has helped Trump's prospects of winning the GOP nomination. There's not a doubt. Um, until a few weeks ago, um, the Republican race was a two-man race between Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis with everyone else in the rearview mirror. Um, Trump has now opened up a significant lead in pretty much every poll um, over DeSantis. Uh, so he is now the clear front runner for the Republican nomination. Well, we know things can change quickly. So I guess the question is, you mentioned DeSantis, and there is a there are several others who have either uh, announced or thinking they're going to announce. So do you think Trump is catchable by any of these folks? So I think DeSantis still has a shot. Um, first of all, he's yet to even formally announce his candidacy. Um, and in some ways, it's similar to Biden um, in waiting to announce. Uh, DeSantis wants to be seen as governing and not running. Um, the Florida legislature, the state legislature is currently in session. Um, so he probably waits until the legislative session is over until he announces a formal uh, run for office. Um, that's probably late spring, early summer. Uh, once he does that, uh, he could he could regain lost ground. Uh, there's no doubt. Um, uh, part of that um, is that Trump's recent bounce in the polls that that could fade. That that itself could tighten uh, the race up um, and get back where it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, to, you know, well, Trump has that solid grip on the base uh, of the Republican Party. There's a sizable block of Republican voters who have Trump fatigue and are, are looking for an alternative. Um, and DeSantis is going to have an opportunity once he announces to win, to win over those voters. Yeah, I think you, you say that DeSantis is much in a position much like Biden. I think more people would be shocked if DeSantis doesn't run than if Biden, than if Biden didn't run for a second term. I think that's how, you know, people are just automatically assume he's, he's in. 
Yep, absolutely. I, I think um, you know he behind the scenes he is doing all the things uh, somebody who's going to run for office would normally do. So he's been you know building a, a campaign infrastructure, um, you know, getting ready to to raise money. There are there are super PACs that would be aligned with him that are are gearing up. All the signals are there that he's going to run. Yeah. So if I remember back in 2016 when Trump ran and won. Uh, around the first time in one, um, there was a big field yep. and that helped Trump, right? Because a lot of the other folks just kind of took votes away from the others and Trump was able to rise to rise above without necessarily having a majority of support among Republicans. So I guess the question is, we talked about DeSantis, but are there any other Republicans that have a shot here? Um, and how big do you think the field will be this time? So I, I, I the, the, let me take that in reverse order. The, the field is going to be smaller um, than it was eight years ago. Um, uh, a number of people who who were possible candidates have already announced they're not going to run. And, and I have Senator Tom Cotton in mind from Arkansas, Senator Ted Cruz, uh, who ran the last time and and had a had a chance. There was a chance he would run again, but he's going to run for re-election in Texas for the Senate seat. Um, uh, retired uh, former Maryland governor, uh, Larry Hogan, he was floating um, a run. He's going to, uh, he's not going to do that. Um, so so the, the the field is being culled. Um, now for those who are in or might still get in, uh, so for everybody else other than Trump and DeSantis, they're all long shots. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them can be ruled out, but all of them face very high hurdles in this race. Uh, of those announced candidates that I alluded to, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, uh, uh, and others, um, Haley has the most money. Um, she probably has the best chance. Um, she probably has the best name recognition of that group. Exactly. Also. Yes. Um, right. Uh, having been part of the Trump uh, uh, administration at the UN, um, she has a public persona. She's in the press quite a bit. Um uh and and she's charismatic um and so i think she does have a chance um then there are others uh former secretary of state mike pompeo former new jersey governor chris christie new hampshire governor uh sununu former vice president pence senator tim scott they might run um but all of them face very significant challenges from the ability to raise money, to articulating a message that resonates with Republican voters. And, and let me stick on that for a second, because this kind of ties into the DeSantis-Trump battle as well. Um, you have this issue in, within Republican circles, within the Republican Party, the Republican base. The Republican base has been evolving for quite some time. The ratio of Republican voters that that do not have a college degree to those who do have a college degree has been moving in the non-college educated direction for quite some time. That's the Trump base. And that that base is getting bigger and bigger. And so for DeSantis and others who you know want to tap into that Trump fatigue that I mentioned, that Trump, Trump fatigue is most notable with voters, Republican voters included, who have a college degree. Um, but that's becoming a smaller part of the Republican pie and it's tougher for them to to just run on that. They're going to have to they're going to have to chip into Trump's base and that's going to be a challenge for all of them. Um DeSantis I think for various reasons probably has the best chance. 
Yeah. You know, I think my feeling is historically, a lot of these sort of long shot candidates are really running for vice president, right? They're in the presidential campaign, hoping maybe they'll get the number two slot. But I don't think that's going to be, I don't think you can make the case for most of these candidates that you rattled off on the Republican side this time. If Trump ends up getting the nomination, a lot of these folks have burned that bridge. So, uh, yes, um, you know, uh, candidates like, um, well, his former vice president, Mike Pence, um, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, they they clearly have burned their bridges with with Trump and they're not running for VP. But other candidates, without commenting on anyone in particular, they can have other motives as well beyond just running for vice president. Maybe they have a book out and they're trying to promote. Maybe they're looking for a cabinet spot. Again, the the, the burn bridges uh, scenario doesn't play well for them. Maybe they just want to keep up their bookings um, on on national cable media um, and they want to stay in the national spotlight. Um, so th- there are various reasons to get in the race other than running for president or vice president. Well, nobody has more cable bookings than Brian Gardner. <laughs> we don't need to keep you in the race. To, you know, we, we, we you do a good job of getting out there. So you don't. All right, so so just j- yeah, just just in case there's there's any doubt that somebody might start asking the question after you put it quite that way. No, yeah, you're not in. I'm I'm not in, I'm not I'm not in it at all for any reason whatsoever. Okay, I'd consider it. By the way, if someone wants to come and ask me, I might consider it. We'll see. <laughs> um, all right, so let's assume that. Um, you, your likely scenarios play out. And I know it's a long way off, but let's yep. say it is a rematch, right? We've got the rematch, Biden and, and Trump again. Um, how, does, how do you think 2024 looks compared to 2020? So it, it's tough to say this far away uh, because so many things can change. Um, but that said, um, so we know the economy will be a big issue because it always is. Um, and if the economy either suffers a hard landing or inflation persists in 2024, then Donald Trump can make a very credible pitch that the economy was better and inflation was lower when he was president. Um, However, Biden's going to be helped by that Trump fatigue that I mentioned before. Um, There's a group of voters who voted for Obama, President Obama in 2012. Uh, They flipped and voted for Trump in 2016 and then flipped back to Biden in 2020. Uh, they got tired of the, the nonstop drama in Washington. And the question is, would those voters flip back to Trump again after uh, Trump has said that he's going to be his supporters' retribu- retri- retribution? Excuse me. Um, that's the big question. Um, and, and age is going to be an issue. Um, Biden is not going to have the luxury of avoiding a grueling campaign as he did in 2020 when when there was COVID and and people did not travel. Um, And there's there's a legitimate question about what impact that's going to have on him. And I I think you can ask the same question of Trump. Um, uh, Donald Trump is no spring chicken. He turns 77 in June. So he's going to be 78 uh, in 2024 when he's running, if if he's running as the Republican nominee. And while he still seems uh, energetic, um, no one can say how age is going to affect him as he gets into his late seventies. He's had um, he's had a laid back couple of years in Mar-a-Lago, uh, but now he's going to have to be back out 
flying around the country um, to campaigns and rallies, and he's getting into his late seventies. We just don't know what what kind of impact that's going to have on on either one of them. It's a lot for someone of that age. Again, regardless of the politics or the candidates, I mean, it, that's a that's a grueling job for anybody, let yep. alone somebody who's pushing eighty years old. Absolutely. Um, all right. So now maybe this is a little bit of a weird question, but you know, obviously, um, you know. Could there be an impact from all this TikTok stuff that we've been hearing about? I mean, it's very popular. It's a very yeah, it, it's, it's a great question. It's not a weird question. It's a great question. I don't think it gets enough attention. Um, and we know that Trump has been, you know, someone that's always seized on social media. So I just wonder, um, you know, what happens with TikTok, how you get across to people, the possible ban of it. What do you think? So Congress has been looking at TikTok and and considering various options. One would be forcing ByteDance, which is their, which is uh, TikTok's owners, just to spin off TikTok's U.S. business. Um, they're also considering giving the Department of Commerce the ability to ban uh, TikTok. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the administration handles this because you have the the the, the China card that neither side can look weak on China. Um, but given TikTok's popularity among young voters, uh, the administration is cautious about its position on this. And I think that the Biden campaign sees TikTok as a possible way to, to pump up turnout uh, among younger voters. Um, so you have the, you have the, the, the campaign strategy of of reaching younger voters and and TikTok is going to be an issue um, for younger voters versus um, how you deal with China. Um, it's going to be a big issue for Gen Z voters, and that 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 could be very important for the Biden campaign. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is the general rule of thumb has always been that people vote on pocketbook issues, right? It's always the economy, and we've talked a lot about that. But there is a role for foreign policy, and obviously, the the main foreign policy issue through Biden has been the U- Russia Ukraine situation. So, do you think there's any impact on how that has been handled? Uh, does that impact the election at all? Well, you know, b- b- before I answer that directly, um, you know, it's it yes, the economy, and yes, foreign policy, um, something we don't talk a lot about, and, and you know, we try and stick to economic policy here. Um, but you cannot overlook the impact of cultural issues as well. And that's kind of, and TikTok kind of fits into the, mm-hmm. the culture issue as well as foreign policy. Um, uh, but um, cultural issues will be big too, but uh, I, I digress. Um, on, on foreign policy in Ukraine, you know, the administration suffered, um, uh, took some hits um, when the U.S. left Afghanistan. It was a chaotic withdrawal and the president's uh, approval ratings really took a hit after that since then um they they i think the administration feels like they kind of found their footing they feel relatively good about how foreign policy has gone since the the afghanistan withdrawal um u.s public opinion has been supportive of u.s policy in ukraine but i tell you the, the recent leaks of classified documents paints a less rosy picture um of the situation in ukraine than what the administration has been portraying. Um, so if if the leaked documents are painting the more correct picture, if Ukraine deteriorates and Russia advances, 
think it could undercut confidence in a foreign policy area where the Biden team thinks they've they've done pretty well. Um, and that starts to become less of a positive for Biden than it has been, depending on how that situation plays out. So, um, you know, the, these these leaked documents um, have my attention because uh, it, it, they they signal um, some bumpy roads ahead for for Biden on this foreign policy issue. That, that's been one of his bigger successes. Uh, at least in in their view and the view of many. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the debt ceiling debate coming up and we'll see how that factors in and plays out. So I think this was a really good discussion, Brian, about where we stand right now heading into 2024. Um, I think we should put out standing invitations for all the candidates, even the long shot candidates, to come on Potomac Perspective and face the music. They could they could go on with Stephanopoulos and... and uh, and uh, Chuck Todd, and then come on with us. You know, Neil, you are a very progressive and forward-thinking individual, and I, I, I like it. Those guys are not going to ask them sports questions the way we will. No, I mean, and and they would lose out because of that if they, if they didn't take us up on our on our invitation. Exactly. Well, Brian, it was great catching up as always. So thank you for being here this week. Thank you, Neil. And thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Potomac Perspective. Take care.